0: Hey, this is Derek Wooten. I'm lead pastor of Makers Church here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where our desire is to make disciples and make a difference. Thank you so much for joining us through our podcast. We pray this message speaks life and encouragement into you and what God is doing in your life. Hope you enjoy it. Amen. All right, we're going to get in the word today. We're in our series. Mark, look to your neighbor and say, you've been marked. You can do better. Look to your neighbor and say, look to your other neighbor and say, you've been marked. You've been marked. And I want us to start where we've been starting every, every installment of this series, Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to get into the word Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 27. If you've got your Bible and pages turned, if you've got a device tapped there, we're going to look at Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, chapter, uh, uh, Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 27. Here's what it says, it says, For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. All my men say Amen. Men, I need to remind you, just like the enemy is trying to destroy covenant between God and his church, he's trying to destroy covenant between men and their wives. So we need to love like Christ loves us, amen? But notice what he said, he said, for husbands this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean. That's talking about us washed by the cleansing of God's Word. He did this to present her to Himself as a glorious church. Somebody shout glorious church. A glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. How many of you guys know we desire to be the glorious church? We desire to be more than just a growing church. We want to be the glorious church the glorious church that Jesus desires for us to be, that, that, that he gave his life up so we could be holy and clean. Why? Because understand something, if we really are the bride of Christ, we should be reflecting the groom in every part of who we are. If we're the bride of Christ, we should be reflecting the groom in every part of who we are. And notice what the text says. It says the glorious church should not have spot or wrinkle. And we've done the study. Spot there in the Greek means stain. Wrinkle there in the Greek means flaw. So Jesus is uh, helping us understand the Holy Spirit is telling us that if we are to be the church that Jesus died to establish and the church that Jesus is coming back for, we should not have stain or flaw. We should not have either, but we should be holy. Somebody say holy. Holy. And we should be pure. Somebody shout pure. We should be holy and pure. And so we as the body of Christ, we should not have stains or flaws, but we should be marked. We should be marked by certain features and characteristics that reflect the nature and the kingdom of God. God And we've discussed it, we have been marked to make a mark. How many of you guys know Jesus didn't do all this for us to sit on our hands and do nothing. Listen, we are not saved by works. But how many of you guys know after you have faith, you got to have some works, too. That's why the Bible says faith without works is... Come on, you guys know the word. We got to have, we got to do something. Jesus died so we can make disciples and make a difference. So we see this, that we have been marked to make a mark. And if you remember, as we've looked over this series, it's not coincidental at all. In this, uh, this year, 2022, in the year in the Lord's calendar, all these twos, there's a reason that what God is doing. Even in the year 2022, we know that the 22nd letter of the break alphabet is the letter Tav. Somebody say Tav. That word literally translates to mark. God is speaking in this season. He is ready for his church to be marked again from the inside out. And listen, not marked with things that we choose, but things that he knows we need to be his reflection in the earth. He desires for us to be marked. He desires for us to be marked so we can make a mark. So we can make a mark. But the reality is what we've said is it's the very sobering thought of this series. It's that because we have not been intentional. How many of you guys know I love the word intentional? There's a reason it's one of our core values. We will not be known for having good intentions but living intentionally. We will be those who live intentionally. Because we have not been intentional, because we have not been consistent in letting the Lord put the marks on us that He desires, guess what, instead of making marks that have brought change and transformation, we've been leaving stains bringing confusion and pain. Instead of making marks that bring change and transformation, because we haven't been consistent, because we haven't been intentional, instead of making marks, we've been leaving stains in the world in which we are called to make disciples and make a difference. But the good news about this entire series is this, how many of you guys know if there's still breath in your body, there's still hope? Come on now. That Listen, even though how long this season might have been or how frustrating, uh, you you know, we're going to talk a little bit about it on Wednesday when Apostle comes. The Lord has told me to open up service in a very unique, unique way on Wednesday, but I know the last couple years have been hard. Can I get a witness from somebody? It's been challenging. I know that it has. But the reality is this, is if you're still here and because Jesus is alive, there is still hope. There is still hope. And there is hope that everything that's happened, God can turn it around. And you can say in this season, Lord, I'm done leaving stains, but God, I'm ready to make a mark. God, I'm ready to make a mark, God, in every place of societal influence. God, I'm ready to make a mark everywhere I go for the kingdom. You say, Pastor, are you sure that God cares as much as we do? Oh, yes, I am. Because Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says it so eloquently. It says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. He's working in you. He's not just working on you, he's working in you to give you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. If you're thankful that God's working in you and through you and for you, somebody shout amen. And so we've understood that there's hope because God desires to do those things. But we must say yes in this season to being marked in the very places that God desires to mark us. And last week, church, we discovered how we as God's people must be marked with knowing Jesus. How many of you guys know it's not enough to know about Jesus? We need to know Jesus. We need to know Jesus. Jesus. But specifically, we saw last week, we discovered together that we must know Jesus in very two distinct ways. We must know Jesus as Savior and Lord. We must know Jesus as Savior and Lord. We must be marked with that revelational understanding. Let me ask this question. Is anyone still grateful that today Jesus is your Savior? Come on, somebody, he is, the, he is the savior of all men. He's the savior of the world. I'm thankful that he delivers us out of trouble. He delivers us out of sin. He delivers us out of judgment. Now, are you also thankful that Jesus is your Lord? Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I can submit myself to the lordship and the leadership of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I wouldn't be as excited if he weren't undefeated in battle but because he's undefeated, I'm thankful. I wouldn't be as thrilled to submit to his leadership if he wasn't perfect in all of his ways, but since he is, I'm grateful that he can lead and I can follow. See, there's something beautiful when you understand. When you submit to the Lord, listen, you are not losing anything, but you are gaining everything. There's something powerful about recognizing that Jesus is a good Lord. Let your neighbor and say, he's a good Lord. Come on. And I'm thankful that he's our master. He is, he, is, he is our ruler. He is our king. And how many of you guys know he's not just a Lord, but he's the Lord. He is the Lord of lords. And some of you, maybe, maybe this is your first time, maybe you're watching online, you say, Pastor, is, is this understanding really that important? To my question to you is this, do you want to go to heaven or do you want to go to hell? Because it's that important. That's not true, Pastor. You're just saying that because you want your sermon to sound better. Okay, let's go to the Bible. Romans 10. Romans 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Some of you guys laughed way too hard at that joke. If you openly declare that Jesus is Savior, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? What? saved, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved, so hear me today, if you really want to walk in the gift of salvation, how many of you guys know salvation is a gift, you can't earn it, it is a gift that God gives each of us to choose or to not choose, but understand something, if you want the gift of salvation, that you must accept and acknowledge Jesus as Savior and Lord, as Savior and Lord. So, so I need you to hear me because it is that important. If you want to declare Jesus as Savior, you cannot decline him as Lord. You can't have one or the other. How many of you guys know we got to be a both and church? Jesus taught us we can't be either or. We got to be both and. And he has to be Savior and Lord. And so I need you to see this, that if you say, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior, you also have to say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Lord. And so see it this way. If you want to be saved by Jesus, which we all need to be saved by Jesus, because he's the only way to heaven, right? He's the only way to the Father. If you want to be saved by Jesus, you must be willing to submit to Jesus. There is no other way. Somebody say amen. Amen. Because he is the way. If you want to be saved by Jesus, you must be willing to submit to Jesus. Pastor, that's heavy, I know. But listen, remember, submission to Jesus is not an act of tyranny, but it is a response of trust. It is not because he is a, a tyrant, although he could be. Because the Bible says he owns the earth and the fullness thereof. That heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. There is not another supreme being. There is no one that could even challenge. How I many of you guys know God may have enemies, but he has no rival. It's an act of trust. We submit to Jesus because we trust him. We submit to Jesus because we trust him. And so listen, if you can trust Jesus enough to save you, you should trust Jesus enough to submit to him. If you trust him enough to save you, you should trust him enough to submit to him. You say, Pastor, how can we trust Jesus that much? Because Romans 5.8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Anybody else love that verse? One of my favorite. But he showed his great love. Listen, if the father loved us enough to share Jesus with us, if Jesus was willing to die for us even before we cared about him at all, that's enough for me to say, okay, Jesus, I need you as Savior and I want you as Lord. I need you as Savior. Somebody say, I need you, Jesus. You need him as a savior, but we should be willing to say, Lord, I want you as Lord. I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. I want you to be the Lord of my life. We're supposed to be marked by knowing both of those. Knowing Jesus as savior and Lord. Knowing Jesus as savior and Lord. And, church, today it's my assignment for the next couple of minutes from the Holy Spirit. I need to go a little further as it pertains to practically looking at how we should submit to Jesus as Lord. Now, I'm going to jump to my closing for a minute because the reality is the church does not talk a lot about submission anymore. You want to know why? Submission stopped being practiced when covenant stopped being prioritized oh that's deep can I can I go ahead and jump in the deep end I got my floaties on I'm ready the reason we don't want to hear about submission anymore is because we don't want to be in covenant relationship with God we want to be in convenient relationship with God Oh, we want to be in comfortable relationship with God. We want to be in a relationship with God that we have full reward, but we limit our responsibility. You st- I'll, g- I'll get up here? That's fine. I'm too close. Submission stopped being practiced when covenants stopped being prioritized. Listen to me, we, we moved from a Jesus-centered gospel to a me-centered gospel. We started filling up venues and everything basically became a speaking engagement as opposed to encounter with the Most High God. And all of a sudden we've, we wonder, we wonder why there are stains left from the church and from leaders. I can tell you why. It's because we stopped submitting to the Lord and we started living like Lords instead of living unto the Lord. And now we find ourselves in a situation where everybody wants Jesus as savior, but nobody wants to submit to him as Lord. And the reason why is because nobody really understands covenant. How many of you guys know Hebrews nine says that covenant really starts and somebody's got to die? Jesus has already died. He's already said, I will absolutely lay down every one of my benefits and pick up every responsibility because I wanna be in covenant relationship with you. And listen to me, if you wanna be the glorious church, if you want to be the bride of Christ that truly reflects Jesus, you cannot say, well, Lord, thank you for covenant, I'm gonna choose convenience. I'm gonna go ahead and make a strong statement. There's gonna be a lot of people that had convenient relationships with Jesus that aren't gonna go to heaven. Well, know how I know? Because Matthew 7, Jesus said last week, he said, a lot of you call me Lord, Lord, but I never knew who you were. You wanna know why? Because they weren't in covenant. They never submitted their will to the Lord. They never submitted their life. They never submitted, are you ready? They never submitted their body. They never submitted their soul and they never submitted their spirit unto the Lord. But they said, Lord, if you could go ahead and help me and you could give me things and you could be my genie in a bottle, that would be great. And when I need you, I'll come find you. But until then, Lord, thank you so much. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. That's the reality of so much of the church in the West. Can I get a witness from somebody? That's the reality we find ourselves. That's why there are so many stains of confusion. There's so many stains of pain where there should be supernatural marks of the glory and the Lordship of Jesus. And we have a chance to start watching the blood of Jesus erase those stains and start making a mark again. We've got an opportunity, somebody say opportunity. I've been saying now for a little bit, we're in a Kairos season, a God-ordained time. That we can recognize and hear the voice of the Lord that says we no longer have to live compromised and complacent Christian lives, but we can walk in covenant and because where there is a covenant relationship, there is covenant power, there are covenant promises, there is covenant blessing, and there is opportunity for the church again to not be the church anything other than triumphant. How many of you guys wanna be a part of the glorious church that triumphs the world? Then hear me. We have to be willing to say, Lord, we want to be marked by submitting ourselves to you in body, soul, and spirit. In body, somebody say in body, soul, and spirit. Now let's back up. How many of you guys know that we as humans are triune beings? We are triune beings. Listen, we have a body. We have a soul, but we are a spirit. We are triune beings. I've got Bible to prove it to you. And I'll show it to you in just a minute. But I need to understand something, church, that we must recognize that we need to be submitted in every part of our lives, in our body, our soul, and in our spirit. Let's talk about these three things, this is important. Our body, God gave us a body. Let me tell you why God gave us a body. God gave us bodies to relate to creation. He gave us bodies to relate to creation. He gave us souls. How many of you guys know what a soul is? A soul is your mind, will, and emotions. A soul is your mind, your will, and your emotion. He gave us souls to relate to Him and to creation. And then finally, He gave us, He made us spirits, why? So we can relate to Him. So we can relate to Him. But I need us to see something. We must be submitted unto the Lord in every one of those. We must be submitted in body and soul and spirit. If you believe that, somebody say amen. Now let me show you this, and we're going to start here, Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, here's what it says. It says, he who observes the day, observes it to who? The Lord. And he who does not observe the day, to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat, to the Lord, he does not eat, and he still gives God Thanks. For none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself for if we live we live to whom and if we die we die to the Lord therefore whether we live or die we are the Lord's for to this end Christ died and rose and lived again that he might be both uh, he might be Lord of both the dead and The living, what a powerful text. Because we see for none of us live to ourselves or die to ourselves, it is unto the Lord. That's why the Bible says that there will come a time, even if people now don't do it, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So to that I say, I would rather do it now than be forced to do it then. What's the difference? The joys of the Lord or eternal damnation? Now, I'm no rocket scientist, which you can already tell. I took too many blows to the head when I played football. (laughs) But it seems like there's a vast difference in those choices. So let me ask you something. Would you rather submit to him now or be forced to submit to him later? Right now. Right now. Make the decision in your heart. Fight through every religious tradition you've had to walk through to a kingdom revelation right now. He is the Lord and we need to submit to him in every part of who we are. In our body, in our soul, and in our spirit. If you believe that, somebody say amen. Can I keep going? Come on, let's go. Come on, let's keep keep going. Let's see this for a minute because the reality is, church, the reality is when we look at that text, we have to ask ourselves that sobering question, does our life bear that mark? Does our life look like the life that is described in Romans 14, that everything we do, it's unto the Lord, that whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. We live or die, we are the Lord's. And the reality is, as I talked about it a second ago church, as, as opposed to making marks in our society and in our world, we, we've, we've found that we've been leaving stains because we have not been completely submitted. And here's what I find very fascinating. Fa- frankly, I, I find it frustratingly fascinating is that so many people that profess Jesus will intentionally submit in one area and then intentionally be stubborn in another. They will submit to God in one area and then refuse in the other. Why do we do that? Why are there so many people that say they love Jesus but don't do what he says? You know, Jesus talked about that. He said, if you love me, You'll do what I say. Look to your neighbor and say, it's best to obey. Come on, tell them. It's best to obey. It's best to obey. Why is it that we can intentionally submit in one area and then all of a sudden we're intentionally stubborn in another? Come on, I can give example after example of how the bride of Christ has brought confusion instead of clarity in so many areas. How many of you guys understand that as the as the bride of Christ, we by default reflect the groom. We by default reflect the groom. So let me ask you a question: Are you reflecting Jesus for who He really is? Or are you reflecting a version of Jesus that you have created? Because if you have reflected Jesus for who he really is, when someone looks at your life, they're not going to say, man, that person's in charge of themselves. They do whatever they want. They're going to say, man, that person is so submitted to the Lord. That person, that person does not even play around with the standards and principles or commands of the kingdom, but they walk in them on a consistent basis. You see, I find that 1 Timothy chapter 4 says that we should be examples. You know what I'm talking about? Paul tells Timothy, he says, you need to be an example in love and purity and speech. And listen, we should be examples. And the thing is, is we are good with that until we decide we want some exemptions and we want to make some exceptions. We're okay with being examples until we decide we want to do something different. I see throughout the word of God, certainly in the New Testament, how we should be the standard bearers of kingdom living. And yet I've watched so many people end up being the statistic instead of the standard. I've seen it so many times. I've seen it so many times. Listen to me church. This is why it keeps happening. This is why we keep leaving stains instead of marks. Hear me. It is impossible to live submitted in obedience when you continue to be a slave to your opinion. Look to your neighbor and say, "That's deep." It is impossible to be submitted in obedience when you are consistently a slave to your opinion. Can I tell you, if Jesus is really Lord, obedience more than opinion, obedience over. Come on, obedience over opinion. If Jesus is really the Lord of your life, your opinion becomes secondary to your obedience. When Jesus is the Lord of your life, your ways yield to his ways. And your standards give way to his standards. If you believe that, somebody say amen. That's the reality of being submitted to the Lord. And listen to me, if you want to make a mark in this world, in your home, in your family, you've got to be willing to choose submission in body and soul and spirit. First Thessalonians chapter five. First Thessalonians chapter five. I want you to see it. It says, may God himself May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. Now stop right here. He wants to see us living in holiness and wholeness. That's his desire for us. But I'm going to let you in on something. Because after salvation, there's this other supernatural work called sanctification. Come on, somebody. Sanctification. But listen to me. God cannot sanctify what you don't submit to. You'll never be holy and whole if you're not submitted to Jesus. You'll never experience, listen, you'll never experience holiness and wholeness. But listen, you can see, he wants to do it. He wants to keep you fit for the coming again. How many of you guys know Jesus is coming back? We got to be ready as the church. He's coming back for a glorious bride. But he's coming back for a submitted bride. And we see right here. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus. Listen, now here's what's beautiful. If you're willing to submit, the one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. So what does that tell me? That means if I'm willing to submit, Jesus has already said I've already made the way and the Father's going to work it out so that you are ready when I come back. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you guys know we would screw it up if it was left up to us? But because we got the goodness and the grace and the mercy and the power of God, if we'll submit to him in body, soul, and spirit, he'll keep us fit and ready for his return. Man, I'm thankful. Somebody give the Lord praise. That's awesome. I love Jesus. But really quick, I see what time it is. Some of you guys are already getting hungry. Tough. Here we go, real fast. I need to make sure we see it. How many of you guys know there are scriptures talking about how our body belongs to the Lord and how we should submit to the Lord in our mind, will, and emotions and how we should submit to the Lord. Our spirit should submit to the Holy Spirit. Here's the first one, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. Put it on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. For God bought you with a high price. You must honor God with your body. Keep going. You do not belong to yourself. Oh, I'm sorry, that's, that's the beginning of it. It says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. You must honor God with your body. What does that mean? That means that when Jesus died and he put his blood up there, you were bought. He purchased you. That's called redemption. Come on, somebody. He gave his blood so you could be redeemed. And guess what? See, understand, when Adam and Eve were created, they had dominion in the world. And then they gave it to Satan when they let Satan deceive them. And then Satan had some authority. But when Jesus came and he died and he said, hey, big boy, here's my blood, it's paid for. He took all authority and dominion back. And so when he said you were bought with a high price, listen to me, it was the blood of Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus that purchased you back. So I got news for you, you don't belong to yourself, you belong to him. So let me go ahead and step in on it for a minute. This cultural saying, my body, my choice. I told you I'm getting in the deep end. Listen to me. It's not your body and it's not your choice. A correct saying would be His body, His way. His body, His way. Why? Because your body does not even belong to you. When Jesus bought you back and you said yes to Him being Savior and Lord, it's listen, your body, all you're doing is stewarding that body until He comes back. It's His. Somebody say, His body, His way. His body, His way. Now let me go further, because I need you to understand what's very powerful about this. If you also go to 1 Corinthians 6, and I don't know if I put it in my notes, I did right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13. It says, but you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. If He cares, we should care. If He cares about our bodies, we should care about our bodies. How about Romans chapter 12, verse one? Romans 12, verse one, this is what it says. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Pastor, how is that reasonable? Because Jesus paid for them. That's why it's reasonable. He did something that you could not do for yourself. We need to understand something. If we are going to be the glorious church or we're going to be marked by submission, our body does not belong to us. It belongs to the Lord. And we will gladly then submit our bodies to the Lord. If you believe that, somebody say amen. Our bodies belong to the Lord. We must submit our bodies. We must submit our bodies unto the lord pastor does that mean i should take care of my body yes 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 take care of your body don't abuse your body with substances don't abuse your body and do foolish things take care of your body why It belongs to the lord it belongs to the lord and we need to submit to the lord with our bodies are you ready number two We gotta submit to the Lord with our mind, will, and emotions. Submit to the Lord with our mind, will, and emotions. Are you ready? So we see this, Romans 12, two. Do not be conformed to the Lord, or to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See. When I think about our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, I immediately think about our thoughts, our words, and our actions. How many of you guys know all three should be submitted to the Lord? Your thoughts, your words, and your actions. And please understand, by the way, as I'm teaching and preaching all these things today, nowhere have I told you that you must be perfect in all of these things. Can I get a witness from somebody? Because if the qualification was perfection, I would have to sit down and let somebody else do it. Because none of us are perfect, but we do desire to submit to the Lord with everything that we have. And guess what? When we will submit to the Lord, the Bible always lets us know where sin abounds, grace abounds, much more. He is just to always forgive us. Somebody say amen if you're thankful. But see this. He says, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind. By the renewing of your mind. And then it says that you may prove what is the good and acceptable perfect will of God. How about Psalm 19, 14? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. How about Psalm 141, verse 3? Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. It matters what comes out of your mouth. And in this generation, we need to say, set a guard, O Lord, over my fingers. Keep watch over what I type on my keyboard. Because if you typed it, you set it. Okay, that's fine. If you typed it, you set it. You have to understand. You gotta be submitted. You ought to listen, it matters what comes out of our mouth. Our words matter. Why Luke 645 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we have to pay attention and say, Lord, I submit those things to you. How about our thoughts, Colossians 3.2, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. How about Philippians 8, and 9, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Submit your soul, your mind, your will, and listen, even your emotions. I'm going to tell you, I am not an emotionally driven person. But there are a lot of people who are emotionally driven. And listen, it is so, how many of you guys know it's okay that you have emotions? The Holy Spirit has emotions. The Bible says so. You know what's not okay is when you let your emotions lead you. You know what's not godly when you make your decisions based off your emotions. Please be careful. God gave you emotions and feelings. You should not suppress them and act like they're not real. But listen, they must be also submitted to the Lord. Because if they're not, guess what? When you start being led by your emotions, eventually you will be led to a place that God did not approve. because your emotions have to be submitted to the Lord. If you believe that's what I say, Amen. Then finally the last one. Be submitted in our spirit. How many of you guys know our spirit should be submitted to the Spirit of God? Galatians 2:20. My old self has been crucified. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. How about Galatians 5.25? Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Now, here's the good one. Galatians 5.16, verses 22 and 23. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. How many of you guys know if He's guiding you, you're not in charge? If he's guiding you, you're not in charge. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Then you go to verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. I'm going to let you in on a secret. Other people can tell if you are submitted in your spirit to the Holy Spirit. You want to know how I know? Because if you're submitted, you're fruitful. But if you're not submitted, those things aren't a big part of your life. I'm going to tell you. Let me give you an example. How many of you guys go to the grocery store? Maybe not anymore. Maybe you order everything online. (laughs) Have you ever gone to the produce section and heard fruit? That's a hard no, right? You want to know why? Because you don't hear fruit, you see fruit. You see fruit. Please don't tell everybody you love everybody if you treat everybody like garbage. You can tell me you got fruit, but I'm not looking for what you say. I'm looking for how you live. Don't tell everybody you got peace and you're always stressed out and frustrated. Don't tell everybody you got self-control and long-suffering and gentleness and kindness. Listen, you can tell me all you want to. I'm not listening. I'm watching. And if you are submitted to the Holy Spirit, you don't got to tell people, they'll see it. They'll see it. Submitted in body, soul, and spirit. Pastor, is it that important? If you really want to walk in the fullness of what God desires for you, then yes. Yes. And I pray that today, before we close, that we say, Lord, we are submitted fully to you in body, soul.